Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Okay, so I've the reason I wanted to bring you on is because I think a lot of times we as Americans get really stuck and um, concentrated in our own small bubble of the world. And it's really easy to not look outside of ourselves and see, you know, number one, what is the perception of us around the world? Number two, how do other countries um, perceive quote unquote liberty or something along those lines? And, um, when, you know, obviously you've been in on my chats on a regular basis on Fridays. So I thought it would be really fun to have you on just to talk a little bit about Colombian culture, um, Colombian politics, your life in particular. Like I'd, I'd love to hear about you and some of the things about you. So um, let's start with that. Um, introduce yourself, kind of what your background is, where you come from and stuff like that. And then we'll go from there. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, sometimes in, in the discourse in the libertarian Republican Democrat uh, community, they all just kind of focus inside. Uh, but yeah, well, my name, uh, well, here I'm Lama, <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm from Colombia. I'm from Cartagena. Uh, that's one of uh, the most important and historical cities in Colombia. Uh, as my dad used to say, without Cartagena, there's no Colombia. Um, I I don't know. I'm, and where geographically is that located in Colombia oh, uh, in relation in to Caribbean like Venezuela? Coast. So that's about, say, a thousand to like 1,500 kilometers. So that's like 800 miles. Okay. So along the along the Caribbean coast, there's Cartagena. Then if you go up like northeast, there's a city called Santa Marta. And then when you keep going like to, uh, towards northeast, you are going to run into a quote-unquote state uh, or department, as we call them, uh, called La Guajira, which is a peninsula. Uh, uh, peninsula is a the name in English? Yes, I think so. Yeah, okay. And that's pretty much the border with Venezuela. But Cartagena really plays a, a really big role, like, geopolitically, because it is the first and biggest base, like, both in uh, naval uh, warfare and uh, air force and infantry, which is, like, the Marines here, I guess. As for me, anything else personal, like I, I started. So you said that you had worked for Amazon for a while. What do you do for work now? Oh, um, pretty much for hire. <laughs> I do some translations. I have some cooking like uh, endeavors as well. And cooking endeavors is that what you said? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Kind of like for events, pretty much. So like so, a chef or a caterer? Yeah, just just a cook. So I'll get calls or for from some catering companies and they'll just say, Hey, um 
I've, we've got this event for, I don't know, tomorrow. Do you want to come here? We'll pay you this today. And I'm, and I'll, I pretty much do that. It's kind of exciting, right? Like, just... It's, it, it is. It is. It is pretty cool. I have been doing... Uh, I've been in the kitchen industry for... Uh, since I was, what, 16, pretty much? I've been working in the kitchen as well since I was 16. Is that hard to not know when you're going to have work to do or when you are? Is that difficult to live in that oh, type my of goodness. lifestyle? It is, but I think what keeps me going is just that I love it so much. I don't care if I have to sleep in a, I don't know, beneath a freaking bridge. I'll keep cooking. That's awesome that you love it so much. Do you plan on possibly, I, I don't know how old you are. Do you plan on, you know, maybe going to school for that and, I and did, you actually. know, pursuing a culinary career? I did. I did. Back back home, I went to uh, two universities for, well, not universities, culinary schools. Um, both pretty big uh, in Latin America. I don't know how well they are known here. Um, one, is, one is from Argentina. The other one is from Chile, I think. One is called Mariano Moreno and the other one is called Gato Dumas. That's very awesome. I'm not familiar with culinary schools, of course, because I have nothing to do with that industry. But it's kind of exciting to um, to go to school. To, I, I'm a good. I like to grill, and my dad taught me how to do that. But as far as cooking is concerned, oh, awesome. I I just have old fashioned Southern recipes that my mom's given me those, that have been passed down over generations. <laughs> those are the best. Let me tell you, I've gone all through my country and I hope to do the same here in the U S and the best food that I've ever tasted has been from the, excuse my language, but the shittiest places that I've been to like the most rundown store or little, I don't know, shack along the highway. Those are the best places to eat. It's so true. So here, where are you? You said, so are you here in the States right now? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, absolutely. I'm in California. Oh, I Sad. didn't know that. I'm so stupid. I had no idea you were in Cali. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was able to get here um, through my through my parents. They pretty much helped me out to uh, get in here, which is was amazing. An, an amazing opportunity and amazing um, feeling like leaving. Like, I, I love my country to death. But damn. <laughs> uh, okay, that so was... that'll lead us into the conversation about Colombia in general. So I want to talk about first um, the governmental setup in Colombia. You guys are coming out of twenty years of conflict, and I was going to see from a stabilization perspective what that looks like moving forward. The United States um, had a long-term commitment where. Um, we've appropriated more than $11.2 billion of a foreign assistance to Colombia between 2000 and 2017. I'm sure we've provided additional beyond that, but my research that I did only covers up to 2017. And you guys had an armed conflict that you were coming out of, but yeah. talk uh, a little bit about the 
the governmental setup, because you guys are supposed to have a republic like the United States, but I feel like you don't. I feel like it's almost in a failed state right now. Oh, um, yeah. Well, the arms, the armed uh, conflict, it really started, uh, surprise, surprise, by a body called uh, a PP, PCC, uh, the Communist Colombian Party. Um, they pretty much decided to arm themselves, and because they weren't uh, satisfied with the republic that was uh, Colombia at one point, uh, they decided to just shoot up everybody. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but we'll get into that. Um, it's supposed to be a republic. It's supposed to function in the same way that the U.S. does. The biggest problem that Colombia faces as a republic is that its constitution is a communist constitution. So the we ha we've had two major two major constitutions in since our beginning as a country, as an independent country. We've had the eighteen eighty six constitution, which was a deeply Catholic constitution. It was pretty much made illegal to not be Catholic within the Constitution, which is just unbelievable to me. So and wait a minute. It was like a, a religious contract that stated that you had to be of a certain religion to be part of the correct. country? Correct. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, I yeah. can't imagine being considered a free country and being forced to practice a religion you don't necessarily believe in. That's uh, that's also a thing. Colombia really, it sounds awful, but it, Colombia doesn't know freedom. Our country, our history has always been of people who are, I hesitate using the word emotional, but definitely emotion-driven in, in their actions. Some of the most rational people in Colombian history never got into politics because they were rational. <laughs> they actually right. were smart. Um, our, uh, the father of our Navy, uh, Padilla, uh, Admiral Padilla, he was, in my opinion, almost solely responsible for uh, winning the independence of Cartagena and then going after going after the whole country and the whole Spanish uh, inquisitions that we were living in. But after that, uh, well, the ninety one the nineteen ninety one constitution as well, as I said, was it is, is a deeply um, communist constitution. It lists if if you've ever read the communist manifesto you're going to love the 91 constitution because it's just pretty much that but made in a country <laughs> that sounds awful yeah i mean jesus christ even freaking marx had the right mindset when it comes to guns and my country just doesn't they even regulate sights and optics really yeah Yep. So then, I mean, coming here to the U.S., that's got to feel pretty amazing if you are a gun lover to be able to have the opportunity to 3D print freedom like nobody's business. Oh, my God, so much. I have, like, 
looking at my desk and looking at some of the things that have printed i have a mac uh a mac frame i have a couple g17 frames i have my g19 which i love and i play with it and i just sleep with it because i just <laughs> love it uh, I, I sleep with it oh my god it's it's right in my nightstand and when it goes to my desk i don't care i just I have like just a mag of ammo because that's all I've been able to reload, and it's just the most amazing thing I've ever touched in my life. And um, my FGC nine Mark II is printing as well. Is printed or is printing right now? Oh, printing. I'm waiting on some of the components, so the barrel, because I'm going to cut my own barrel, and I'm waiting on the rods for the bolt. It's kind of exciting. Just to like hear somebody from a country that's so oppressive come to the United States and is now printing their own guns. That's a really, really awesome, fun feeling to get from a conversation so that's pretty awesome oh my god it is it is and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you know i'm able to talk to someone that actually gets it as well because some of my friends they some of my friends they even stopped talking to me when i showed them that i printed my G, my vlog 19 really? which is unbelievable yeah because well you are in california yeah but it's still federally legal. Like, I'm not going to just, I don't know, freaking print uh, Yankee Bugle or something. I don't want to, I don't want the ATF coming here. I don't care for them. I, while I think, of course, all, all gun laws are infringements and I'm not even an American, I'm not just going to put myself at risk for whatever. So are you going through the legalization process right now? Are you actually working to become a citizen? What does that look like? Because I think sometimes Americans also are very um, naive to the process and what that takes for somebody to become a legalized citizen. So can you kind of tell me if that's something that you're looking into or why, if not, you're not going to? Oh, no, at all. Uh, I am looking into it. I want to, uh, especially given the last... uh, few days in Colombia, which we'll get to as well. Um, the process for me getting a visa was, even if, even with help, like govern, uh, government help from my country, it was so hard and I almost didn't get it. They asked, So walk me through that process. Tell me what that's like to get a visa. Like from beginning to end, how did you start and and how did you get it? For from beginning to end, I started in 2018, the process. And I got the visa in January 10. And then my my trip was scheduled January 16 of 2021. Wow. And the process pretty much started with me just you know, getting a normal tourist visa. Uh, hey, I want to go to the United States. Uh, here's why I want to go. Here's where I want to go. And you'd think that's pretty much reasonable and uh, 
for asking for a visa. Hey, I want to travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, that's not enough. We'll ask you for background checks. We'll ask you for the whole um, like biometrics, including retinal scan. We'll ask you for social media background Wait a checks. Minute. You as had well. to do a retina scan for a student visa. Oh no, for for a tourist visa. Oh okay. Well, even still, I feel like that's a it's an interesting request, and I wouldn't have expected that. But keep going. Neither neither would have. I have expected that there's pretty much nowhere to get it in Colombia. But either way, uh, the social media background as well, which I, of course, did not give. Because if you look at my social, my social media, you're not going to want me in the, in the U.S. if you're a government uh, official. Um, <laughs> okay, keep going. If, um, what else? Uh, recommendations, recommendation letters, pretty much as you would to get a job. Um, they asked for my parents. They asked for my grandparents. They asked for all my other like relatives, family, aunts, uncles, uh, cousins, all of them. Uh, they asked... The, the main thing that they look for, I think, is if you own property in Colombia or if you have a stable job in Colombia because I guess those are the most I don't know important things as to people not staying here uh, like for overstate visas which I get but still it shouldn't be that way oh no but that's interesting because I guess conceptually if you're looking for a tourist visa versus um, amnesty, that process looks a lot different. So I can see where they would want you to have some level of stability to go back to so that they're not, they're not putting you in a bad spot when your visa does run up and they send you back home. Like they want you to be able to have a place to go and stuff like that. So I can, I can see from a governmental perspective where they think that's a good idea, but, um, go ahead and keep going. So, you went through the oh. long, grueling process that took almost three years. Yeah, and you know, I got that. I got um, I got everything done, everything sent out, and the first time it was denied because at that point, well, my job is pretty much uh, call me and I'll go uh, the next day and work for you, and then the next day I might not have work, and then. For for a month, I'll have all day every a twenty the twenty hour work shift. Uh, they denied it the first time in twenty eighteen. I uh, the response was in twenty nineteen, and then um, it was only through because my dad is uh, Navy military in the in Colombia. He was kind of invited to come here. And it was only because of that that I was able to get a visa and come here. So, like, I'm here legally. The visa was uh, perfect, perfectly fine because it was pretty much an invitation for my dad and, by extent, his family. But so your dad is here in country right now too, like your family is. Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're as they're as well here in uh, California, 
but we leave like in two different places. This is so interesting. I didn't expect the conversation to go in this direction because I thought you were actually still physically located in Colombia. So I thought we were going to talk a lot more about that. But the immigration process is also incredibly interesting too. So I'm I'm kind of excited that we're getting to talk about this. But so did anything change on your visa application that would have said, okay, now he's eligible? Or was it literally just because they were inviting your father to come here that they approved you as well? You know, I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'd like to think that it was because I had a job with Amazon. But even then, I honestly think it was just because of the quote-unquote diplomatic status of the, of the passport, which is what they, I guess, look for. I don't know. I'd like to think it was because of, you know, I, I already had a stable job. I've been there since the, um, since the lockdown started back in February in Colombia. And yeah, well, back then was, you know, everything's locked down. I cannot work. So you're here, you get here, you're in California. What part of California are you in right now? Oh, I'm in San Diego. Is your family excited to be here? Are they working through the process to stay? What like what does that look like? Are you when are you guys slated to go back? They aren't as excited to stay. They are excited to be here, but they aren't as excited to stay though. I've been trying to convince them, you know, they're not the greatest people, but even then I it's just Colombia is so such fucked up country. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near it. So I don't know. They just want to kind of come, kind of go back. Uh, they are supposed to go back on. I guess, I guess is uh, July of next year. Yeah, July of next year. As for me, I'm trying to like update my migratory status. That's what it's officially called, uh, in order to have a student a, a student visa, visa. Sorry. In order to be able to stay uh, and to get a work permit and just work my way up from there. That's really awesome. I hope that you get to stay. You're oh, one of my favorite people, so it would be really cool if if the process worked out where you could actually stay. Oh my goodness, yes, I would absolutely love it. Like, also the first thing that uh, that I'll do if I stay is just move out of California. Like, I want to hold an AR the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that freaking like! Oh my God, it's evil if you hold it like a pistol, but it's not evil if you hold it like a freaking M1, which is literally oh my god i'm just gonna get pissed off with wrong fucking topic okay let's not go to guns yet we can talk about that though because i know that that's something that you're passionate about i do want to talk about colombia a little bit still so one of the questions that i had sent to you for us to discuss today is the geopolitical impact of the failed state of venezuela and what that means for colombia's future because it is a bordering nation and it is so, it is falling apart. How do you see that impacting Colombia or do you see that impacting Colombia? Very, oh my God, very, very much impact in our country. And right now, well, not right now, it was uh, it was about 
I think a month ago, where even though peace, quote unquote peace, is signed and it's supposed to be all good and the armed conflict is supposed to be over, that's not the case. In Colombia, there are still factions of FARC, ELN, M19, um, whatever, that broke off from the main factions that were signing peace. And they are still active, they are still killing, they are still um, pretty much taking territory from our, from our farmers. Uh, about a month ago, they went into Venezuela because Venezuela and Cuba have historically been their headquarters, pretty much. Apart from, I don't know if you know this, but one of our presidents in one of the uh, original peace treaties that they were working on gave a full state or a department, as we call them, to FARC in order for them to surrender their arms and to leave Colombia. They gave a full state. Like, imagine if, I don't know, freaking China came to the U.S. and they just gave, like, Washington State to them. Just like that. That's interesting. It is, yeah. Uh, but either way, they went into Venezuela um, and they clashed with the Venezuelan army which are blaming Colombia for sending them into Venezuela, uh, which has been kind of explosive lately. Um, I don't doubt that at any time, at any point in time, the government, either government, Venezuela or Colombia, will just explode and start a, start an endless war there. It looks like... So, in it... In my mind, like if somebody says, you know how you play that game where you'll say a word and someone else will say like the first thing that comes to mind. In mm-hmm. in my mind, like the very first thing, if somebody says Columbia, I think cocaine and coffee. It's like the first two instant reactions of things. So is like when I think of Mexico and the drug cartels and how much they influence and run the country is Colombia the same way, or is that just a false perception that's been permeated in American culture? Sadly, it is. It is, really. I mean, um, from both uh, the uh, narco-terrorists, as we call them, uh, their funds for FARC and the LN and M19 they all came from drug drug smuggling to the U.S., to Panama, to Venezuela, to Ecuador. Um, Whichever the case may be, their funds never came from a standpoint of we're doing business or from a standpoint of of, um, donations. They took territory from farmers and they took land from farmers in order to grow uh, coca and amapola, and amapola, which is the, the two plants that are made for uh, heroin and cocaine and all. So and, they converted uh, what should have been, I guess, coffee plantations into drug plantations. Either coffee or just that you guys anything, have. really. Yeah. They took everything from them. And then the state, you know, the government, they... You, in one of the 
laws that they signed uh, in gun control was some one of the uh, like chemical warfare control per se. So pretty much you know, think of mustard gas back in World War One. It's pretty much that, but applied to uh, neither the government nor the people are allowed to burn uh, ground and territory that is fertile. Uh, they went ahead and ignored that. Surprise, surprise! And all those, all that land over, I think the I think the numbers in the millions now over million acres have been burnt to the ground in land that will never be fertile again. So I'm trying to understand, for what purpose would they want to destroy the property? War on drugs. The so same. they're literally destroying their own country in the name of, of fighting against drugs? That is correct. In the name of fighting against, quote-unquote, well, not quote-unquote, it's actual terrorism, but still. The means are not justified. So... Do you think that the drug cartels or the, we won't call them cartels, just the drug terrorists, as you named them, um, do you think that they were funding FARC organizations or or factions well, they with are. the intent? Or, so they are still doing they that? They are. They are still doing it, and they aren't funds, per se. So, like, maybe don't think, it, don't think of it as, say... Pablo Escobar funding FARC. It's more of a FARC has their factions of drugs and military terror. That's pretty much how it is. So it's almost like two factions of the country split up against one another. And then there's the government and then there's the people. So four like total groups of individuals. I even go as far as say five because the the drug cartels as they are as in Cali, Medellin, and Bo- and Bogota are pretty much still prevalent and they still play a big part on what is our politics today. Is it as seedy as it seems that the government can be bought off with the right amount of money versus any sort of ethical? obligation to its people i because i feel like no it is it is um our government is not in any way shape or form moral or moral to the extent that i would call good if you look at some of the latest um elections there's zero doubt that all of them have been bought off on one way or another uh, so let's go back to, say, not that long ago, Uribe, Alvaro Uribe Vélez, which is uh, the third last president that we had. Okay. He was one of the most outspoken um, military regime kind of presidents that we have had. He created all sorts of different military budgets, uh, militarization of police, so pretty much what you see with uh, the National Guard. Ima- imagine the National Guard levels of militarization, but in state and local police departments. That's pretty much what we have. Um, both in militarization of uh, police, uh, they created what is called ESMAD, 
which is uh, like uh, like SWAT teams here. Right. Um, the overly growing and unending budget of military spending both in arms and in <clears throat> and excuse me and in vehicles both ships actual vehicles tanks what whatever you name it there there it is in the budget um zero of those budget increases we shall call them are for the people and i think i'll a lot of it played out in order for it to seem to 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 make the people think that that they had any level of power or ability to yeah, influence it both that and that you know com- communism as a whole is a viable is a viable option so it's do you think played- there's brainwashing going on in your country as well i 100%. mean here it's i'm sure i mean even in living in california you have to see how open arms so many people have become with communism and they literally have no idea of how bad it would actually be if we got to that point. My God. The level of brainwashing of some people back home and here, like, this doesn't even have anything to do with, well, it does. But I I was at Home Depot, like, um, last Saturday, and he saw this guy. He was like... I don't know, maybe 25-year-old. He had a shirt, and it had, like, I'm House Pfizer. What are <gasps> you? No fucking way. And I'm like, oh, my God. Dude. Uh, well, I saw, I got on Facebook the other day, which I try really hard to avoid, but when I got on there, it popped up this little notification that was like, make your vaccinated whatever thing where it like puts that border around your picture mm-hmm. that says like I'm vaccinated and then it said dot 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 4.4 million people have used this banner and mm-hmm. I'm like 4.4 million people in this world are irredeemable at this point like virtue signaling <laughs> for a shot in your arm is insane there's more like it, it's unbelievable the, the levels of brainwashing that some people are subject to and the, I don't think, to a degree, I don't think we can really blame the the individual. Uh, as I said, what? like... Come on now. No, uh, I, I mean it from, as well, personal experience. I was Mormon um, back, back a long time ago. And it is a cult uh, when you look at it. The thing is that you're so far in you're so deep in that level of thinking that for example when i was mormon if you were to come to me and give me a candy uh like uh, uh, flavored with coffee i wouldn't eat it because that was a sin i was still level of thinking and this is quite ironically uh that Gay people cannot enter God's realm or whatever. I used to think that. Okay, so I was going to touch on that, but I didn't know if you wanted me to, so I didn't ask yet. But So you were raised Mormon, but you, like, how old were you when you established that you were gay, and how did that work with your religious beliefs? When I I was Mormon pretty much all my life, um, when I was... 
15, 16, 17, I had really, uh, really bad mental health issues all the way from depression to hallucinations. And one of the core causes for, for from it was the fact that I was Mormon. Uh, the fact that I have pretty much wasted my life trying to live up to a standard of a religion that did not care about me or, or anything. Um, after that, I was much more open. I was um, still straight, though. <laughs> it was pretty much uh, came a surprise when I made my boyfriend. Um, we were just kind of drunk in a bar and... I, he had an accent. He had quite the accent. He was speaking English when I when I met him, and he had kind of like um, I don't know. Say, uh, have you ever listened to Jamaicans? Uh, Jamaican like native. Oh yeah, yeah, Jamaican yeah. For people? sure. My old roommate in college was Jamaican. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's kind of like he had that kind of accent, and I don't know. I just started talking to him, and one thing led to another, and. Well, the rest of the rest is history, kind of. So, has your family had a hard time accepting the fact that you are homosexual? Oh, they don't even know. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, I do not want them to know. Like, it would just be awful, and I don't doubt that they would stop talking to me, uh, like, completely. Mama, I'm so sorry. That's so sad. No, it, it's fine. I mean, as I said, they, you know, we grow up and we see that, you know, parents are supposed to be respected and, and all, but I don't agree with that. Respect is earned, not given. And I quite honestly do not respect them, do not look up to them. I do not have... Uh, saying of hey my dad and my mom they did this and they were amazing for this i kind of cannot say that uh, i'm just heartbroken right now because it feels like you have this huge secret that you can't share with the people that you should be able to share it with and i'm so glad that you're open and honest and willing to share it with me but it still hurts my heart a little bit that you're in that position. No, you no, seem to no. be okay with it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's still, I don't know. I guess I just think about my own relationship with my father. And if I were to have to keep something like that from him, it would be really hard. So oh I, my God. I have a lot of no, respect for you. <laughs> Thank you. And like to you as well, when I, when I hear you guys in, in the chat, like talking about your kids, like, uh, Liberty and, and Nola and, and Joel as well. Like, I, I just get kind of like nostalgic as well. Cause, oh my God, you, you guys, like, it is unbelievable to me that just some random people that I happen to meet on Twitter have parenting figured out and my parents couldn't. <laughs> I don't know that I would say figured out. I just had seven girls at my house for my daughter's birthday and I still have a headache. So oh my God. I don't know that figured out is the right term, but trying and managing to try. So we'll go with that instead. Well, you're, you're trying, you're trying in the best way possible. Oh, you're so sweet. Okay. 
So let's get back on subject because now it's like this very heartfelt moment. And now I'm like, (laughs) um, do you think that, so I, I would not have expected, and I'll be honest with you because Columbia, I, I thought I didn't even realize your constitution was written in Catholicism, but it is a very Catholic country from a belief perspective. So where did Mormon come into play in the Catholic region that you lived in? Like, how did that work out? How did your family get into that belief system? Um, my family specifically, they, they lived in the U S in Miami, um, from my, from my mom's side. Uh, they lived in Miami for a while back in, I want to say eighties, but I'm not too sure. Um, and there they met um, Mormonism and they kind of bought into this idea. Uh, when they got back home, it was pretty much a matter of finding a church nearby and I sit and going to it. Um, as how Mormonism got to Colombia, I, I know that some of the first um, quote-unquote pioneers, which they didn't pioneer anything but a lot of bullshit, um, they, they got into a city called Barranquilla, which is, uh, an hour's drive. An, an hour drive in my country is like a 20 minute drive here, by the way. Um, and because the roads are so crappy, not so much, actually the road, there's a, there's a highway called, uh, Ruta del Sol, ra- uh, route to the sun, which is the single most amazing highway that we have ever built but the speed limit the the speed limit is 45 oh my god well if you want scenery oh my god not even like i went through i went to vegas like i don't know a month ago and i took route 66 and there were some of the most beautiful sceneries i've ever seen in my life and i went through the mojave desert as well and it was just amazing. And I was easily doing 100, 120 miles an hour. It, it, the roads are just too good. I know we libertarians want to fuck up all about roads and fuck them <laughs> hey, what did you roads, say the other day? The, the fucking roads, man. Fuck them ho-ass roads, man. They, but still, like, the U.S. roads compared to my country's roads is nowhere even near near as good, near as understandable. Like one of the things that really got to my head when I came here was like, I I was, uh, I was turning right and the red and uh, the light was red and I was there just waiting. And the guy behind me started honking honking at at you because you're not. (laughs) And and I was like, what, what is happening? Why is he honking at you? The, the, The freaking light is red. Light went green, whatever. I turned, and then he got past me. And the next corner, I need to, I needed to go right as well. And then he went right, and he didn't really care about the light. And I was like, "What the fuck is going on? This guy must just, I don't know, fucking have diarrhea or something." And <laughs> I'm sitting there just wondering. And then the next corner, I see the same guy doing it. And all of a sudden, he just freaking hit me. Oh, 
can you do this? I went into a parking lot. It just freaking Googled it, and I felt so dumb. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that, but it's more of a yield, not so much a stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it really is really weird because everything is so well organized that you can do some things that you couldn't like back then. Like if I have to work, like, for example, lights, I know some people just don't care about you turning left and you signaling that you're turning left. But it is kind of an exception to the rule, not the rule. Back home, you have to... So when you're changing lanes, you have your car... You're kind of just trying to fuck over the car that is behind you. So that he says, oh, fuck, I cannot go on. I need to let him pass. (laughs) That's how you change (laughs) lanes in Colombia. Here... Or at least in my experience, when I put in the light, the other guy just kind of stops or speeds up way ahead of me and just lets me pass, which is amazing. So back to this religious and revelation of, like, would is homosexuality accepted in Colombia very much? Or is that something no. that's, I figured it's probably frowned upon? Not at all. Um it is it is very frowned upon um, in my home in my home city as well it's very very homophobic and it's quite driven into the up to the idioms that we use it's just almost impossible to come out to someone from Colombia one of my best friends who is from Canada um, she's the only one that pretty much knows. And, well, you guys as well. Well, I think that's because, I mean, you're free to be whoever you want to be. I think that's a common misnomer. You and I were talking about how you used to be Republican. Now you're a little bit more on the libertarian side. I'm sure your choice from a sexual preference is probably playing a role in that. But I, I think that, you know, I was raised very Republican, very Christian, and you know, my grandmother has a problem with homosexuality, but as time has gone on from a social aspect, I've never had a problem. It's whoever you want to love, that's who you're going to love. And nobody's going to be able to stop you from doing that. I agree. And I've tried to get my friends to think of that way, but I don't know. They just still have the, that way of thinking that is just, no, you're supposed to like these people, and it just doesn't sit well to, for me. Is your and, friend that's in Canada, is he Colombian? Oh, no, she she, she. is Canadian. We oh, okay. met when I was in Canada. I lived in Canada for a while as well. Canada is like the pretend United States, and now they're really bad. Oh, my God. I've told my friend that she has to leave. Like, she doesn't really care all that much. Uh, like into politics or she kind of thinks that oh, I'll fucking wear the mask. I don't give a shit. But I've told her like I've tr- I've been trying to convince her to just leave because what happens in Toronto? Uh, Ontario. It was in Toronto. It was in Ontario, Ontario, right? Which the whole police state thing. And I sent her that video, and she kind of just didn't care. Which I don't know. I'm still working on that. <laughs> Get her to leave, but. It is unbelievable. They banned they banned assault weapons, quote unquote, because uh, 
they were looking scary and not six months after look where they are the, oh, the I cops, know it's bad it's unbelievable to me and it's unbelievable to me that people in the u.s still don't get it they just refuse to get it which is interesting because the age demographic that you fall into i would say here in the united states is it's a it's interesting so i'm 37 years old so i'm quite a bit older than you my age demographic is very i like i'm on that cusp of the gen x and millennial generation mm-hmm. anybody that's within the 10 year frame younger than me is in rough shape as far as like genuine communism, like Marxism, they genuinely believe that all effort should be a collective pot. It's like all of it should go in in a pot and to each their need, not to, to each their own. And so I feel like your generation, so that, you know, below 25 to maybe like 16 or 17 years old, that group of individuals is the only group that's giving me hope for the future of our country because that group of individuals seems to actually grasp the concept that that's probably not going to work out for us. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think, um, I don't know, I I always refer myself as, as a 2000s kid. I don't know how like in numbers it is or in letters it is, but... I think it's we've had just such access to so much information that we really don't have to take the word of anyone for it. We can just Google it. Right. Which is, I think, a big part as well of how you're seeing so many young people turn to minarchism, libertarianism, anarchism, actual anarchism, not whatever Antifa is doing. Um, I think that's a big part. You can say, I don't know, if you ask my dad, hey, what happened in Tiananmen Square? He will say, well, the government took down some protesters, which is quite sad. But it was really what he was taught. And I don't have to take his word for it. I can just Google it and see what actually happened. Well... It's interesting that you say that because you can't just Google it. And that's part of the problem too, because you have organizations like Google who have done a really good job of curating information in a way that um, positively influences opinion and decisions. So it's almost like now you have to go to three different search engines to get a a wide variety of results for the search that you're trying to to utilize yes i i get really pissed off at people who say they're a private company they can do that and like no no they can't they're this is the basis once you have a say on what government says you're no longer a private company Well, I mean, if you're accepting government dollars or government assistance in any way, shape, or form, you're no longer a private entity. If you've accepted tax dollars for any part of your organization, then then you're not you're a government entity at that point, and you should be regulated as such. A hundred percent, and it's just 
unbelievable to me. Th things like Google, like I, I grew up, Google was pretty much any everything we had. Uh, now I am VPN on Linux, on Tor, on um, DuckDuckGo as well. I have just grown so weary of using like Chrome or whatever Microsoft's Internet Explorer is doing now. Well, yeah, because they're keeping um, all of that information. I just watched the movie Social Dilemma, the documentary. Mm -hmm. The amount of information that is being collected and utilized against the population is insane. It is. like. Have you watched that documentary it, yet? I I, I saw it, but I like I saw it on some of my recommendations, but I really haven't got into it. Oh, you need to watch sure. it. And not that it's not something yeah. you don't already know. I mean, I know it, and I still fall victim to it. I still, you know, the ads that pop up are completely relevant because they've been listening to my conversations and are like, oh, she mentioned she needed some new spices. Let me send her this ad for a different spice or, you know, recommendation. So, th I mean, I know that they're actively doing it and I still follow it. I still click the ad. I still look. Yeah. And I think that's also what I meant with, uh, you can't, partly you cannot blame the individual for their brainwashing. Like at one point you just fall victim to it and you're, don't realize how bad you are until you're outside and you can look at it. Like, I, I was looking through my posts back when I was a Republican, back, back when I was statist, and it's just some fucked up shit. I am, like, I, I had some, some of the... Um, uh, I can't remember which of the many killings of police I defended. But it was some, like, oh, my God, just comply bullshit. Well, and I am, I still, you know, go back to um, a little bit of, I guess you could say, statist roots. And this may lose me some followers or get me some some pissed off people. But the police are not the ones to blame for enforcing crappy laws. That's their job. Their job is to enforce the law. They don't, that's their choice. The blame should be on us as citizens for putting people in office who write shitty laws for police officers to have to follow. They're not the ones who make the rules. We are. We are the people and we are the ones who elect the officials who write the laws. If we're putting people in place that are making unconstitutional laws then that responsibility and onerous falls back on us. So when you say just comply, that's our responsibility. That's the law for the people that we put in office. But the question then becomes how actively are we paying attention to that? And, and nobody takes personal accountability anymore uh, in the United States. There is always a scapegoat or someone else for us to push responsibility off onto. So I think that, you know, you know, Deputy Hockey, he's in our group. And I think about him all the time, constantly. Every time something happens to a police officer or at the hands of a police officer, my mind instantly goes to him 
because I feel so bad for people who are in a role and in a job for the right reasons to do the right things, to be a community advocate, and they get the brunt of something so ruthless as to be torn on both sides. You have the back the blue, suck the government's dick, and then you have the a cab, all cap- cops are bastards and fuck them all. Like, and and they're just sitting there in the middle being ripped apart by those two sides of that coin. It is not a two sided issue. There are the responsibility and the onerous falls on the people of this country to stop electing officials who write unconstitutional laws. So I think when you talk about that, I don't really so much consider myself a statist in that regard. I consider myself more from a libertarian perspective because, you know, that's if you fix it, it's your job as a citizen to fix it. And, and the unfortunate thing is that we have too many citizens that are disinterested or uninformed to fix it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And when, when I say like, when I give some, uh, cops or back to blue people a hard time if, if you're a cop and, you, and you're listening and you are understanding of what your job is like say if i'm doing say 75 on a 65 freeway am i hurting anybody no should i deserve a ticket am i hurting anybody it, it it's yet a, a a victimless crime, quote unquote crime, and if you're a cop and you have the right mindset and you have and and you know what you're supposed to be doing regardless of the orders that may be given to you, I don't have a problem with you. And a, a lot of the defense as well is uh, they're just doing the job, which I actually don't agree with that. They're just doing their job means no accountability for them. Well, they're not doing the job. Well, they're just doing their job. So are the police in my country who just, as of today, have killed, just in the past week, uh, for the tax reform protests, they have killed over 15, 20 people registered so far they have shot the eyes so has that just happened in the last couple days just in the last couple days yeah because um government as in the government's way they want to tax us even more even more than we already are or and we have done its tax reforms go around maybe once each two years in, in our country and everything just goes up prices so, include- with relation to and uh, you're here on a visa so i'm not sure how that works for you but in relation to taxes what percentage of your income are you taxed in colombia fully in like annual income it would be around 60 to like 55 60 percent Holy shit. That's a lot. Half of it. A half and even more. And sales tax is uh, 21% now. And food, everything in... Uh, not Nothing is exempt from tax uh, in food now. It used to be that 
basic things were exempt from tax, say flour, rice, uh, sugar, whatever. It used to be that, but now with the newest reform, everything is taxed. Um, At that 21% rate? 21% rate across the board, yes. Any sale that happens that is registered needs to go through that 21%. Are you serious? Yep. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say I was joking. It is unbelievable and things are so expensive that it, it, it is impossible. It is, it is basically to the point that, oh, and by the way, the new tax reform has the tax the rich bullshit. And the rich in my country make $1,500 a month. So that's the, that's considered rich in your country is somebody who earns $1,500 a month? Yes. It, it is not considered rich. It's just considered by the government rich. Because uh, $1,500 right now are $4 million and a half. So $4,500,000 in our currency. Which that number alone should just tell you how fucked up our currency Holy is. Holy shit. Dealing in those kind of numbers is insane. It is. Like, for, for me, adjusting to the dollar um, still is quite the, the, the thing. Because I'm used to paying, for example, for gas, I'm used to paying 1500000 for a full tank. And here is just like 30, 40 bucks. Even in California, which is expensive. Yeah, I just, putting that in my mind is just insane. So so and here in the U.S., are you taxed as a, with a visa? Right now, I am not. But I think whenever I get the work permit, I will be. So are you just working like under the table right now for money? Oh no, I'm doing I'm doing the translation uh, gig that I have. So I'll do like I'll get paid per document that I translate, and apart from that, the whole savings that I have from my Amazon job, which were a lot. I pretty much didn't spend a dime when I was working for Amazon. As far as the taxes are concerned, so are the people starting to revolt then a little bit if they're trying to introduce? This new taxation That's, when but, you're already paying 55% income tax and 21% um, on a sales tax? Are they are they starting to push is, back? Like, what's that looking like? That is how it's looking. Like, the thing is, I, I said this on a tweet a while back. Um, the big problem with my country is that both the tyrants... And the people want power for them and their ideas. They don't care about liberty. They do not care about guns. They do not care about individual responsibility and absolute individual responsibility, which is all that we should really be putting our focus and energy on. They're focusing on, I don't want your tax because it is not being spent the way I want it to be. So I had a, I had a conversation with uh, one of the groups uh, called Escudos Azules, Blue Shields. Um, they were protesting one of the 
cops who um, raped a girl in Bogota. And I told him, you cannot reform this. You have to get rid of him. I'm quite far gone, you may say, as an anarchist. You cannot reform those kind of actions. Those kinds of actions only come when someone has that kind of power. And they were saying, no, reform is the way. And I'm sitting there, okay, but you're protesting this guy who raped a girl, and then you're telling me that you still want them working? Are you serious? Apart from that, their tax initiative, they're not, protest they're not protesting it because they don't agree with it. Half of them are protesting them by fashion. The other half are protesting them because it is not their favorite government official doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, you can see that even evidenced here in the United States. You can see... 100%. It, I'm okay with oppression when it's coming from my elected official. I'm not okay with oppression when it's coming from yours. Is the thing is the same thing with um, Democrats when you look at them speak about police brutality and all cops are bastards and that BS that they say. And okay, you say that you don't like cops, that you don't like them killing innocent civilians or lives or anyone which okay that seems reasonable that is perfectly fine but then you're telling me that you're preferably okay with ruby rich and waco you're telling me that you have no idea who duncan lemp is you're telling me that you're okay with militarizing our capital and keeping citizens out of their own house absolutely it is unbelievable to me that some of the people are so far gone that their arguments just start getting they're hypocrites at that point they very much are i think i think what is it i'm i'm trying to remember the quote it said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely that's the quote that quote to me is probably the most true quote ever the more power that you allow the government to have, the more corruption they will have. Absolutely. I, I think we we can see that we are living that. Like, I don't think any government has ever done anything to advance freedom as a whole. Like, even when when you look at it when you look at it and when you look at it in the in the US um you see people like Washington like that's one of the one of the biggest influences of me being who I am today and is okay you fought so hard and you fought under trained you fought outnumbered and you fought with so much help in order to kick the British out of the US. And then you dare go to war with your own people over a tax on whiskey? Right. That is, in my mind, if, a, if, a per, if the commander that led the Minutemen in order to kick the British ass could not keep it in his pants with power, no one can. Absolutely no one can. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I don't disagree with you at all. I think that, and I think we have a rough road ahead of us. I think that the worst has yet to come. I think that's why our capital is still militarized. I think that they have some not very favorable, favorable things in line for the citizens of this country coming up. And I think that they're preparing themselves for, for a very negative response to that. Um, We shall see. So many of the people are just so far in their own little heads that they don't get it. When, when you look at history, when you look at, you you don't you have the privilege of not being a not drawing a comparison to other countries you can because everything has happened in the US if you look at the civil war the whiskey rebellion uh the american independence war everything that you may need in order to advance freedom to an argument standpoint has happened in the US Yeah, and unfortunately enough, people don't learn from that. I don't get how. You look at wars, you look at um, endless military spending, you look at fanaticism, to be honest. Fanaticism is what keeps the people not being able to take responsibility for themselves. It's true. And they'll continue to do that as long as they have uh, a media that continues to reinforce their their belief system you have cognitive dissonance so we'll just continue to deal with that until it boils over i don't know when that will happen but it's certainly coming yes and like people refuse to look at different news people just want their little bubble and cool you're in your own little bubble and you don't want to i don't know see what is happening in other countries but is that do you the think that, that perception oh, of the united states do you think that we like what you think of as the united states do you think that we're living up to that idea of what the United States is, do you think that we are failing in that regard? You know, as somebody who's not from here originally, what do you, what, before you came here from Colombia, what was your perspective? And then now that you're here and you've experienced it, what, what do you see? Well, I was, when I was a kid, I had always this dream of the U.S. because I grew up with, I, 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 didn't grow up with the movies of my generation. I grew up with uh, movies from the 50s, the 60s, even the silent movies. So I, I grew up with this romanticized version of the U.S. where you can do all you want as long as you don't hurt people, which sadly isn't the case here. Like, I don't know. I, I saw... I. Grew up with this romanticized version of uh, like a diner or uh, a road trip, a bonfire on the beach. And while some of the culture is still very prevalent to live and let live, it is not the overall basis that some of the people work on. Um, when I w- when I got older, of course, I got a lot into social media, and I really saw the like that version that dream was shattered so hard 
when I saw, oh my god, people actually want gun control? Like, is that a thing in the US? I don't know. And, like, shall not be, shall not be infringed. It's pretty fucking clear, don't you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is very clear. There, I have a meme that I love. It's, like, got the founding fathers on there. And it's like, do you think we should elaborate on this Second Amendment a yeah. little bit? And he's in the, at the bottom of the meme, it says, no, you have to be pretty fucking stupid not to understand shall not be infringed. <laughs> it is unbelievable. And... You know, I, I was reading um, some of the some of the CIA uh, stuff that they or FBI. I, I don't know. They like one of the operations, quote unquote, that they were trying to infiltrate anarchist groups, and that they couldn't because they have too much literature, and they are just overall smarter than fucking feds, which of course we are. Um, we as libertarians, anarchists, anarchists, I, I don't want to say we're smarter than everybody because we're not. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. Nobody knows everything, but we don't pretend to. Ooh, that's I good. That's so true. We're yeah. aware enough to know that we don't know everything. And this is the thing that happens. For for example, I used to, I used to really like, uh, um, Steven Crowder. And the guy just, when I'm looking at it now, it's just, they act like they have every answer to everything. How to end police brutality. Okay, just comply. Okay, that's an answer, and that's perfectly fine for them. And one, one, of, the, one of the things that actually just pisses me off to no avail is the law-abiding gun owner, which is, okay, you're a law-abiding gun owner. Now, you can't have bomb stocks. You cannot have suppressors. Uh, okay, if you hold a rifle with a foregrip, it's illegal, right? But then if, it, if the length of the rifle is overall 24 inches and it has a pistol brace, then it's not illegal because that's an other weapon. That's not an any other weapon. That's another. And then if you hold your Glock with two hands, no, that's illegal. It's unbelievable how far with the laws that you guys have uh, regarding firearms. Like, I don't want to say at least you can own guns because that's not the point. But it is how it starts from, oh my god, your rifle is 15.9 inches. We're going to have to shoot your dog now. Uh, it's, it's how it starts, really. And you'll say, imagine, or say that this society complies with assault weapons ban. And now, no, the Second Amendment was actually written for hunting, which was not. Or maybe it was, but it was hunting large game and not small ones, if you know what I mean. Imagine if hunting rifles are all you can have. Okay, now they're going after hunting rifles because they're actually sniper assault warfare guns used to shoot down planes regularly. It will never be enough for the gun control crowd. Yeah, and it's a slippery slope. I mean, if you outlaw one, then they'll use another. And then, oh, okay, well, we got rid of that one. Now we have to get rid of this one too to eventually they'll get to the point where they've confiscated them all. A hundred percent. And you've seen them, uh, even you've seen this at, at this point, 
every little step NFA or assault weapons ban here in California or anything that is just even in I, I think it was New York that tried to uh, regulate the sale of body armor. Yeah, I think you're right. Which is okay. I don't agree with you, but I can see how you think that guns are bad. But body armor? Are you serious? Like the most passive way of defending your life is to is wearing a vest, and you want to regulate that? Well, that's come not on, Mama. Then the state can't kill you if you've got well, body that's, armor on. <laughs> that's the point. They don't want to make anybody safe. Gun control is about letting the state letting you be defenseless when the state eventually comes to kill you or eventually comes to to get you one of the first things that uh that the chinese communist party did was regulate firearms one of the first things that venezuela did was regulate firearms you can see it in my country as well they they regulate optics like red basic red dot sites for airsoft are regulated yeah i think that it's really easy to be lazy with thought in this country. And I say that um, gently because there have been times where I have opted to just easily read something. I, I have been suckered into that before. But if you look at history and really study it and really genuinely pay attention, you see exactly where overuse of government control starts. And it is always with gun control. It is always with taking the ability to defend yourself against the state away from the citizens of the country. And that's, I, Canada is probably the closest and best example right now, because within one year, they are now putting people who have tested negative for COVID are still being required to, if they leave their location, they're, they're quarantined in a quote-unquote COVID hotel and yes. for two weeks against their will. In addition to that, you have, I think it is at Ontario that recently said they're giving um, their police full control now to stop any citizen that is outside of their home and essentially violate their rights by demanding to know where where they're going what they're doing it's literally like gestapo tactics in canada it is and i don't know if you if you ever saw a video of an of an irish uh farmer who was taught by by cops then and the guy just told him to just go fuck themselves pretty much it was is that the one that wouldn't roll his window down I'm not sure. I I I heard the audio. I, I didn't saw the video though. Oh, okay. Um, I did see a video of a guy who wouldn't roll his window down and wouldn't get out of his car. He's like, "You have no reason to stop me." That's a whole nother line of that element is that COVID was used to exercise more control and give more control to the government, and you're seeing it right now with Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer is talking about permanently instating the the emergency the powers for herself. That's insane oh, yeah. to me. Uh, emergency powers, they're never emergency powers. Come on. Like <laughs> Okay, we have been power. on here for an hour and a half, and I feel so bad that I've kept you for so long. So I'm going to let you go, but 
I'm going to keep you on retainer because obviously when things happen, I love to get, you know, perspectives from people outside of my own bubble to kind of get an idea of what the thoughts are. So I love you so much for coming on and being so open and honest. It's so exciting to get to know you and chat, but then to also sit and have a conversation with you. So thank you so much for being a guest with me. No, thank thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being patient with the power outage and then the phone dying and just <laughs> everything. Um, thank you for you know allowing me to express a little bit of the of the word of the world or of my perspective to to your listeners and to anyone who's made it here. You're gonna love the rest of her episodes. It's the only podcast I pretty much hear. I love you so much. Ah, it makes my heart feel so warm. Okay, thank you so much for coming on with me, Lama. Um, I will plug you. Um, what is your Twitter so people can follow you? So it'll be at Lama Thoughts zero one Lama with uh, two L's. Perfect. I will make sure that I link it on the um on the info too. I appreciate you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday evening. You too. Have a good one. And uh, happy birthday to your daughter as well. Oh, thank you. All right. You take care. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!